0: Oh! <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Roundtable Consult, where we discuss political and social issues that matter to you from a spiritual, medical, and legal perspective. Join the conversation with your host, Attorney Sonya Madison and Dr. Mark Williams. Today's topic, homeless for the holidays. So today we're actually talking about um, homeless for the holiday. Um, A lot of times, you know, in this time of year, we start thinking about a lot of charitable uh deeds even if we're not thinking about it year round uh, one of the groups of people that we never want to forget about is the homeless the bible always tells us to to remember the homeless and to and to render kindness and and mercy unto the poor. So today I'm excited to have with, or we're excited to have, I don't know, I guess you're excited too, Sonia. <laughs> <laughs> we're excited to have uh, with us uh, a friend of mine and, and a tremendous person, just a uh, genuinely sweetheart and, and, and generous person, and then in the form of Jennifer Ranson. She is the chief operating officer of the Bridge. The Bridge Inc. And they provide a tremendous service to the homeless population of Nashville, Tennessee. Good morning and welcome to the Roundtable Consult, Jennifer.
1: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me join you today. I'm
0: glad that you could do that. So, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you got started with The Bridge?
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, I am the COO of the bridge ministry. And for years, though, I was actually a volunteer with the bridge. I was a staff pastor at a local church, and I started bringing a group of volunteers just down underneath a dusty old bridge in Nashville Tennessee um, and we would serve the homeless and the poor in our city and that's how I got started with them I later became a board member and then about three years ago Candy Christmas our founder uh, contacted me and she was just giving me a report as a board member that we were um and going to be in search of another COO. And then at the end of that conversation, she said, you know, I think it's supposed to be you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I never had considered even leaving my staff pastorship. And um, however, it became so clear to me that it was the direction that God was leading me to. And it's been such an honor to serve the, the poor in our city for decades, but in this new role, more specifically to the homeless and those that suffer with food insecurity in our city so the bridge ministry focuses it was it was birthed to serve the the homeless underneath a dusty bridge Um, that's what how candy started the ministry but it's really expanded through the years to meet the the growing needs in our city as our city has grown there the poverty of the really underserved community has has extended to really a crisis level um, to the poor in our city. So we find ourselves serving about half of the time, the homeless that are really on the street. And then uh, the other half of the time, serving those that are struggling with food insecurity issues. So we have four different arms of our ministry. We have church under the bridge, which is how our, our ministry started, which we have a church service underneath the bridge, not in pandemic though. <laughs> we haven't been able to have a full church service since March, um, but uh, but we we provide services to the homeless and the under-resourced uh, on a typical pre-pandemic serving and pre-tornado serving. Um, we, we served anywhere from three to 500 homeless and food insecure individuals underneath a bridge every single Tuesday night. In 16 years, almost 17 now, we have not missed one Tuesday night. So think of the floods of 2010 and the, the tornado uh, even this year happened in the wee hours on a Tuesday morning. We still were underneath that bridge serving those in need in our community. We also have a Bridge to Kids program, and that really focuses on one of the really vulnerable populations, which are our children, that they don't make the choices and the circumstances that they live in, um, but many of them find themselves hungry um, often. When they are not in school, there's not food in their homes. And so we currently are serving over 4,000 children a week with weekend food bags. And each of those food bags has four entrees and six snacks in it. And for many of the children we serve, that's the only food that they eat until they come back to school. And if you think about the pandemic, our kids have been out of school for a long time. And so we, la- uh, we launched another program uh, this year, which was our Bridge to You. And that's where we bring direct services into the the housing projects and some of the, the lower income apartments where many of these children are living because we found and their co- counselors from their schools were letting us know that these children were not getting food. They weren't getting to the distribution site. So we needed to actually go to them. And so we started our Bridge to You program where we bring those services and those those food resources um, to them. And we serve hundreds of families uh, a week in that way. And then we have our Bridge to Community. And that's where we just partner with other lock-minded people and organizations throughout our city that maybe are, are, are having a resource need of their own. Um, This year in March, when the tornado hit, there was many organizations that they don't have a warehouse like we had. So they weren't equipped with the resources to immediately get the resources into the hands of the people that needed them. So our phones started ringing. You know, do you have this that you can share? And if we have it in our warehouse, we want to share it. So we we often say that we not only want to be a clean conduit by which God's love and spirit can flow through, but also which resources can flow through. And so we share often with others. But um, but like you said, during this holiday season, really focusing on those that are forgotten and that is our homeless. There are so many people and you you think of the 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 grocery cart people and the the traditional chronically homeless person and many times when you say homeless that's that's the image that conjures up in your mind is the man on the street corner. But our city is plagued with thousands and thousands of others that don't meet that uh, criteria. They are situationally homeless. They are couch surfing. They are living in their cars, and it's no longer just the veteran that has no place to live that struggles with uh, with mental issues because of what he's gone through or what she's gone through. It is. It's families. It's people that have lost their jobs. You know, sometimes some of them this year due to COVID, but others just with what goes on in our world and the changing industries. And and you find a, a husband and a wife and children living in a car and it's absolutely heartbreaking. So we serve not only those chronically homeless people that you picture in your mind, um, but also those that find themselves situationally homeless as well. And we come in with the life sustaining resources to meet their immediate needs and then connect them with other organizations that can help them transition from this place of homelessness into um, you know, a more self-sustaining long-term living
0: situation. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that, that, that's. <laughs> Sorry,
1: you didn't know that that was like one question I was gonna take up your whole But show, I right? so appreciate you. When
0: I say that's a lot, I mean, that's a lot that you do. And I thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, Because, you know, it just really broadened my horizon and broadened my perspective about uh, what services are necessary uh, for the homeless population, not just the people, as you mentioned, that we see stereotypically as representing the homeless person. If there is a um, common description or word that you would use to describe the population that you serve, what would that be?
2: Other than homeless, right, Mark?
0: Other than homeless, (laughs) yeah.
1: Hopeless. Hmm. So many of them find themselves completely hopeless. And that's where I think that our organization is unique because we not only are providing those life-sustaining immediate resources, but we're giving them the hope as well. We're telling them, you know, that we're trying to ignite that hope in their minds and their thinking to think beyond their current circumstance and to see the value of who they are. And um, and by discovering that value of who they are, then they're able to hope again and to dream again and to think. I don't have to live on this street for the rest of my life. I don't have to live in this car for the rest of my life. Um, There's a way out. And by igniting that hope, then we can really see some transformational change.
2: You know, I have done a lot with um, Junior League, and one of their big initiatives is generational poverty. And you kind of touched on Mm -hmm. it, but I want to, Offer, I guess, request that you talk a little bit about some of the resources that enable people to get out of the situation. Because, you know, the whole mantra of give a person a fish versus teaching a person a fish. And as you said, when you have children mm-hmm. who cannot eat, they're not going to school thinking about education, they're going to school thinking about survival. And we get this whole cycle all over again. And it becomes, again, generational poverty. Mm-hmm. Because you know everyone's mm-hmm. priorities are, are are different, and so there is that constant, I guess, struggle with: do I take care of the parents so that then that trickles down to the kid, or do I take care of the kid so that they can, I guess, more so see out of their situation? And so when you mentioned, hey, we then partner with some of these other services, what are some mm-hmm. of the services they provide that help people get out, or at least? learn or, or teach them how to get out of the situation so that it doesn't become a generational um, situation.
1: Right, um, well, I think your question, I heard it is, is two parts and you know, do we help the parent or do we help the child? And I think, um, I tried to live my life governed by the word of God and the Bible. And I think the answer is you have to help both. But, um, and being careful not to enable, but you still are helping both. And um, by doing so with us, we partner with a lot of other organizations. We have a great, uh, uh, both private and public, we have a great relationship with the Homeless Impact Division, which is through our city and the mayor's office. Um, We also have relationships with Salvation Army and with Open Table and uh, Mental Health Co-op and so many other Uh, organizations here in town when you think of um, your stereotypical type of of homeless person um, oftentimes there's a a mental health issue that is is that is attached and so getting them uh, to to the mental health services that are needed and just connecting the dots Um, there's a, a resource book that open table puts out every year and and that's just a it's kind of like a guidebook of a a how-to, where do you go to for certain resources? So we we use that oftentimes. But if you can think of a situation that could bring someone to the point of being on the streets or about to be evicted or coming to a point to where they have absolutely no food, then you have to be very creative because there's not organizations that all the time fit the niche that, that is needed, but you just have to find someone that's close. And when, and honestly, when we can't find somebody, we try to become it ourselves, <laughs> you right. know, uh, just to, just to uh, connect to the resource. Does that well, answer your question? I guess <laughs>
2: the, the other part is, because um, I think there's this myth that, you know, if you get to this point where you're hopeless, and you're no longer trying. And so I know a lot of people would say, well, I don't want to just give away money or give away food knowing that Mm -hmm. this person isn't trying to figure out a way out of their situation. And so when you're, I guess in your dealings, do you often see people are trying to get out of the situation or do you more so see just people taking the resources and not investing them?
1: What, What we come across the most is people actually really trying. They are doing everything that they can possibly do to make it. Um, I'll give you the story of a man that came to our Christmas outreach this last Tuesday. He currently is living um, back tucked away under in the woods, but he has a job, but he does not have the resources to feed himself and to, to get through all the fees and the red tape to actually get into housing. And so this gentleman had worked all day long at his job and he was working construction. And he jumped on a bus and he came under the bridge for our Christmas outreach because he wanted a hot meal. He knows on Tuesday nights that he can get a hot meal underneath the bridge, but he also knew it was Christmas and that we would be giving away brand new sleeping bags and brand new backpacks and it filled with supplies and that it was about to be cold and there would be emergency blankets and all and food the groceries that he could take back to his tent and he got there right as we were packing up and he's like I'm so sorry I'm so glad you're still here I just is it too late is it too late and we're like absolutely not this man is trying this man gets up every day and goes to work, and he works construction, but when he gets finished with his job, he doesn't go home to a house like we do. He rides a bus to a tent tucked away in the woods, and then he freezes all night long during the cold, only to get up the next morning to do the exact same thing, trying to get to that place to where he can get into a permanent shelter. That's what we come across the most. Now, there's others that are riddled with mental health issues or addiction. And you may not see that that effort so uh, abundantly clear, but there's still effort there. I've never in the decades of working with this population, I have never come across a person who doesn't want something different. It's just they don't know how to get it or they don't know how to be healed of the, the addiction or their convictions that sometimes um, prohibit, prohibit them to getting into programs that they can move into housing. I mean, never once, and I've dealt with thousands and thousands of people that are living on the street.
0: So there's a you bring up an interesting point, I think, and that is, for some of us, it's difficult to fathom how you could be employed working every day and yet still be homeless. It brings up this whole conversation that uh, the debate that goes back and forth about does the federal minimum wage, is it sufficient for where we are today in terms of the cost of living? Uh, can, can someone who's making $7.25 an hour really ex- be expected to survive in today's economy? how does how does someone who's working every day still find themselves to be homeless
1: oftentimes it's because they've dug themselves a hole that they can't get out of so it might mean that they have debt it might mean that they have a an a bad eviction on their record it could be that they actually um have some type of uh, of offense on their record that people aren't willing to allow them to live in their their facility, you know, in their apartments or um, in their rental homes. But in our city, affordable housing is a true need. We have such a shortage of affordable housing. And so when you look at, you know, 10 years ago, when we were in this city, you could get a house for and rent that you could almost make it if you had a couple of people making minimum wage but that's no longer true for the the condos that are you know in the city and that's I'm not saying that it's bad the growth is not bad but we need to still have a place that that we can care for those that are not in the middle class and upper upper class but are in that uh, socioeconomic class that's lower that are making the minimum wage. And how many places do you know of that you can drive to in the Nashville area that you could live in for minimum wage? It's, they're, hard, they're becoming harder and harder to find. And we don't have the transportation systems coming in into our city. And we don't have the wraparound services offered in our surrounding areas for the poor, those that are really underserved to move out to further and further into the suburbs. I mean, this year we launched a new, an, um, a new bridge ministry, actually in Chapel Hill, because the pandemic, it, it's not homeless, but it's, it's leading to the, it, it kind of feeds into that issue because the pandemic really affected people that were living in a more rural area they weren't having their jobs and they didn't have food. And so we, that outreach is really just a distribution of food right now. But for Christmas, we served almost 400 people with Christmas gifts and a hot meal and, and you know, over 30 pounds of groceries apiece, because the need was so big because there's not the same amount of resources when you get to those um, communities that surround the, the, the Nashville area. And so people are being pushed out to those areas but then they can't find the resources really for employment and transportation. I mean, there's, there's like so many underlying issues that, that feed into
0: it. So the, the, when the need exceeds the resources, then we have a problem. Uh, in most mm-hmm. cases in America, we look at the need and the resources as being personal issues. When your personal resources are unable to meet the need that uh, may not necessarily be created by yourself, but may just be a consequence of a growing economy. Like you're saying in Nashville, it's incredible because we've had so much growth here, it's almost impossible to live, especially if you're single, uh, to be able to pay rent off of a minimum wage. Mm -hmm. So there's a need and resource mismatch. How does that Mm -hmm. gap get met is that the responsibility of the church is that is there a role for government and um or is there is there a role for other organizations should corporations be looking to help shoulder some of this or how do how do how would you fix the problem
1: (laughs) well in all my wisdom (laughs) and i know there's plenty of it it's an infinite amount (laughs) no i i i I really feel like I lean into the, it's the church's responsibility to really uh, to provide for the needs of of the widows and the orphans and the poor. However, I believe that it's our government's responsibility to provide systems where all people in our country can live. And um, and, and so. I would make sure that as we're putting up high rises, that there's affordable housing included in them, that all of the land in in the Nashville area isn't going to develop, but but there's a reserve um, for a population you know for other organizations really looking to you know as we did not to only hub out of nashville and that to be the only place they're working but to look at how, how can you have satellites in the surrounding areas so that we can continue to to meet the needs of the people um, as they're dispersed maybe a little bit further outside of the metropolitan area so those those are some of the things but i really lean into the church us caring for our neighbors, and and we at the bridge are incredibly, incredibly uh, grateful for the church partnerships that we have. We couldn't do what we do without the partnership of the church. And when I was a staff pastor, one of the things that I looked at uh, was trying to find organizations that were already doing the work that had the expertise. Not saying that we're an expert at the bridge, but uh, you know, but but we're already in the trenches and we could come along and bring not only financial resource to support but the people resources and the volunteers to help join in and and i think as as the churches we could look at 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 really just getting more involved and meeting the needs that are in front of us if we all took tried to meet the needs of just one person that we knew man it would change the complexion of our community
2: well it's interesting that you say that because we know corporations have lobbyists um we, we know mm-hmm. you know and so I'm, I'm curious as to whether or not uh i'm not necessarily you guys in particular but just whatever programs that you're able to use whether it's through federal funding or state funding is it from lobbyist efforts or is it you know just from i guess the need of guess of some legislators to say hey let's make sure we allocate certain resources for what mm-hmm. you guys do.
1: Yeah, we are not lobbyists. However, there are other organizations in our city that are very, very much involved with this. You know, Open Table comes to mind to where they they really uh, in, insert themselves uh, there. We try to partner with our, our city government and our state government Um, and try to see, okay, how can, and that's our relationship with the, you know, the Homeless Impact Division and and really working with them, and okay, how can we partner with you to to facilitate some of your goals and helping to move people to housing? How can we do that partnership? Earlier this year in the summer, we, the bridge organized uh, like almost like a a resource fair actually underneath the bridge because what we find is so many of the people that we serve that are that chronically homeless population they really struggle to get to the different services so if i've got to go to to dhs for one thing and i've got to go to mental health co-op for another and i've got to go to neighborhood health for another we're asking that individual who has no resources to take a bus or walk miles around this city, and it becomes an insurmountable goal for them to feel like they can, they can do that. So we brought all of those resources underneath the bridge. We had housing resources and mental health resources and um, and healthcare providers. We had job placement. We have all of that that was underneath the bridge. And so the bridge and the Salvation Army worked together to bring all of those resources together to the people. And a result of that, we got, we got all of the individuals that were there um, successfully put into our coordinated entry system, which is our city's like points of entry for housing. And then, um, and then we were able to start connecting those individuals quickly and in real time to the resources that they needed because we weren't sending them miles away and another bus right away but we were sending them literally to the next booth (laughs) underneath the bridge with people there that could give them real-time answers and so uh, we found that it was very successful and we look forward to doing that more in the future
2: well and i know you said you want the church so for all those pastors that are listening Mm -hmm. do you want the church just to be a building to house these resources do you want the church to give more money to you guys what is it that you would like the church to do
1: yes (laughs) like both the financial resources are absolutely um they, we have to have them in order to continue on but just the partnership and the support because our churches are filled with people that oftentimes just need to be empowered to make change. They don't know how to walk up to a homeless person on the street and provide help but they could partner you know with their church, and come to the bridge and they can work with us and then they could be empowered to make a difference. And it takes away that uh, that fear. And it also gives them a level of safety of, of, of how to do that. Um, and right now everything's a little bit different because pandemic, we, we really try to, to limit the people that we're bringing into the camp so that we help provide a level of safety For this very, very, very vulnerable health population. And so, right now, we only have a few volunteers that are actually coming under the bridge, but it takes all these volunteers to put together all of the food bags every week, to cook the food, to pack all of their supplies. You know, so we have people that are working in our warehouse to do that. So, to these pastors, I'd say get involved. If it's not with, the bridge, find an organization that's a like-minded organization that you can partner with and link arm with and support that organization financially, but also encourage your people that sit in your chairs or in your pews or watching online, encourage them to get out and to link arms with this organization too.
0: So very practical question here. And then one that may be a little bit more challenging. So as I'm driving and I get off of the interstate and I see a homeless person with a sign out at the car Mm -hmm. um, asking for food, asking for money, practically what should I do as a believer, as a Christian? I'm always challenged because I'm saying, what what do you do at that moment? Maybe you can give us some guidance. Then I guess the other question that I would have is, how do you, what's your response to those people who have the mentality? And they'll quote the Bible that says, man who don't work, shouldn't eat, doesn't eat. Mm-hmm. So can you encourage us in both of those regards?
1: Absolutely. Um, I can tell you what I do. <laughs> um I really try to to listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit that's in me or that gut. Um, I had a mentor one time that said the gut is your gut feelings or your your gut notion is oftentimes the God in you trying to, you know, to to lead you in a direction. Um there's some times where I stop and I give I give them the money. There's other times when I go by. So I just try to to really listen to that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Um but my belief is that it's not my responsibility what they do. It's my responsibility to be faithful with what God has given me. And that is to to bless those that, that I come into contact with. And so that's generally what I do. <laughs> um, uh, if I have the opportunity to give them money or to purchase the meal or to purchase the thing they're asking for. I usually do the latter when when I can, um, but I just I've, I've never just can't go wrong with being generous. <laughs> and there's a, you know, there's a there's a there's a, a sewing principle in the words that always comes true. And so that's where I lead it to. Um, and then, uh what remind me what the second, the second part of your question was, was I forgot. For
0: those, how do you how do you respond to those people who said man don't man that doesn't eat i mean doesn't work oh, yes. doesn't eat
1: you know what you don't know if they're working or not oh. the man that i just the man that i just described to you um earlier when i was talking about you know he looked homeless he lives in a tent and there may be times that he stands on a corner but he still works every day you don't know hmm. just like when you see me, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's really going on in my life. You really don't know what's going on in theirs. And it's, that's not for me to judge. I am, I try to be generous and do what I can to, to help my brother, to help my sister. And, um, and to be a good neighbor.
2: Well, you know, that could apply also to giving charities. I know a lot of people may say, well, I don't mm-hmm. want to give because the money is going to be corrupt or it's not going to be used towards the purpose that I designed it to be used. And on the one hand, to your point, you can't worry about that. If you are giving from your heart and the spirit is calling you to give, whether it's to a person or to a charity, then you you can't be disobedient. But for those that want to, I guess, do research or whatever to determine, Mm -hmm. okay, will this money that I'm giving fuel to the purpose of the homeless, what are some, I guess, things that they can look at or look for in their research to ensure that the organization like a bridge or whatever it's in their communities is a legitimate organization seeking to serve the community. Yes,
1: I think one of the largest things that you can do is actually look at the fruit. What are they doing? what how do you see their their resources being put to use um do they have a good reputation in the community uh do they have a good reputation with those that they serve (laughs) Uh, and then also you can look you know i know as an organization we're very transparent um, with our our finances and um and we are held to a high standard by our board. And so look at that organization, see what kind of governance that it has. Um, is there an active board um, on the people that are on the board? Are they people that are um, have high integrity? Uh, and, then, and then look at the, those percentages of what percentage of money goes to administration, what percentage of money actually goes into the actual services that are provided.
0: So I've had uh, lots of discussions with people who believe that COVID is a hoax, and one of the things that they use to describe this as a hoax is to say, "Well, what about the homeless people? If if COVID was that infectious, the homeless people would be would be dying from COVID. First of all, because they they don't have the masks, they don't have the wherewithal to get away from it." Uh, other people who may be affected and then they may not have the resources to seek the medical care. What's your response and mm-hmm. your experience with COVID and the homeless right now?
1: Yes. Well, first off, I would say that it's not a hoax. I actually had COVID myself and was in the hospital for several mm-hmm. days, and uh, I know firsthand that it can it can take a turn quite quickly. And quite tragically (laughs) um, I could not breathe for weeks Um, but as far as for the homeless uh, it's it's still not a hoax it's it's you look at the the percentages those that have been living in uh, close proximity to others yes they still are getting it some of them are are experiencing complications Um, but then like our the camp that lives underneath the bridge where we serve there hasn't been an outbreak um, that hasn't been overly, you know, um detrimental to them. But you know what? My community that I live in of all of my friends, I was the one that got sick and many of them didn't. <laughs> so when you look at when you look at just those statistics, um I, I think that that they're in line with the general population. And some of those same things, COVID is so new. I think there's still a lot that we don't know. I mean, my doctor, when I was in the hospital, I would ask questions. And one of it, I loved his response to me. It wasn't real comforting, but I at least (laughs) thought that he was telling me the truth. (laughs) (laughs) He said, (laughs) he said, he said, said, um, you know, he goes, We don't know the answer to that because it's too new. So I think some of that is there. But I also know to your question of specifically for the homeless, the providers in our area and the organizations like the bridge that serve this population, we have worked so hard to bring in those needed resources. We distribute masks every week when we serve. Um, our city brought in sanitation stations to some of the larger encampments around the city. Um, our 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 location has never had bathrooms or or water, you know for to wash your hands, but it does now. the you know, the city brought in those resources so that um, those living in that encampment could have a, a, another level. And so um, it's not a hoax. Um, there's there's real dangers to it. And we can see that firsthand, but we also can see that there's organizations that are striving to make sure that this vulnerable population stays safe amidst a global pandemic.
2: Yeah. I'd also imagine when you are homeless, you you have little records. And so a lot of people are not then accounted for if they unfortunately die or become deathly ill. It's hard to account for those numbers.
1: You're, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. There's so many people that we've served for, you know, quite some time underneath the bridge and then they just disappear and you don't know, have they disappeared because they're no longer homeless or have they disappeared because they've gone to, you know, another city. Um, And so there's a lot of, there's just a big question mark in that.
2: Well, listen, we so much appreciate you taking your time out. Has there anything that you would like to share for our viewers that you feel like is important as they think about giving or being more selfless into this coming year of 2021 or start with new resolutions? What would be some of the things you would want them to consider or at least meditate
1: on? I would just encourage you to look beyond what you normally look at. Look beyond the people that your eyes are normally drawn to and look at those around you that are hurting. Look at those that may look different than you and then be bold enough to step out and make a difference in their life In whatever situation presents itself. Sometimes that situation may be a smile directly in the eyes uh, to a homeless person instead of looking the other way and quickly walking. And sometimes it may be giving that dollar. Sometimes it may be going to an organization like the bridge and donating your time or your money. Um, But just look beyond what you have come to know as commonplace and your little trench that you're in and look around you because there's hurting people all around you. And you have the ability to make a difference in their life. Thank so, you
0: so, Jennifer, much, how, if someone wants, who's viewing, wants to be able to donate to uh, the Bridge, mm-hmm. how can they do that?
1: You can simply go to the thebridgeministry.org. It's just Bridge Ministry dot o r g and you can follow the links you can you can click a link to volunteer and you can also click a link to donate right there and you can see some of the other things that we've done throughout this year
0: great now can they Can they specify that they heard it on the Roundtable consult when they make their donation?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. There's a note section, so they can. And we would love for you to do that. (laughs) Here's the reason
0: why. Because I'm so moved by by your testimony, by your service to this population, that anybody who uh, views this video and goes to your site and makes a donation and they mention the Roundtable consult in their comments, I want to match that donation as well. So... Um Thank definitely, you. I'm not going to put Sonya on the spot and say that, but, you know, she, she's rich. She's the I've been he's well. going to
2: then contact me and say, all right, you pitching in?
0: <laughs> exactly. Especially when those numbers get really, really big. So, <laughs> But I'm going to have faith to believe that as big as that number is, I'm going to be able to match that. So I want to encourage all of our viewers to go to The Bridge. What's the website again?
1: Ministry. Yeah, BridgeMinistry.org.
0: BridgeMinistry.org. If you would, please uh, put your information in the comment section on this video, including the website where they can donate, and we will be happy to make that that matching contribution for the services that are so desperately needed in this country and in this city.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you
0: for joining us. God bless you, what you do, and your family. And I'm glad that you safely and fully recovered from uh, COVID. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) me too. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Enjoy your
0: family for the rest of this holiday weekend. God bless you.
1: Thank you. God bless you.
0: Well, that's a feel good moment. That was, I'm going to say, that's
2: a good way for our viewers to start off the year. Start off the year donating.
0: I think so. It's, it's, um, it's interesting. I think it's a great reminder for us sometimes that, uh, but for the grace of God, there go I. It's easy to, especially in this time, and I guess maybe we should have discussed that a little bit more, but in this time of economic unrest with what we call this K-shaped recovery, uh, it's, it's it could be any moment that it could be you, me, or, or anybody else that we know and or love who can find themselves homeless, in, in a moment's notice, and it's not by any wrongdoing or malfeasance of their own. It's just just the way that it happens, and it rains on the just as well as the unjust. So, just be reassured that your unjust living is not what's causing you to <laughs> that and, and I this know we didn't
2: speak on it, but I do want to remind. I think the Congress did pass a, a package, a stimulus package, although Trump is has been unwilling to sign it. But for the again, if you're going to get an extra check, consider donating some of that to other people who are in need or other people who may, who may not be in a position to receive those additional funds.
0: Well, again, we've got the uh, Roundtable Console is on a podcast. So you definitely want to find us. We're on your favorite podcasting hosting site. Yes.
2: Yeah, so definitely, I know we are not on Tuesdays for right now. So you will see us next Saturday. Um, at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And as always, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Please like, comment, and share. And we hope to see you next weekend.
0: This has been another episode of the Roundtable Console. We invite you to join us twice weekly on Facebook Live. Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, and again on Saturday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern. That's facebook.com forward slash Roundtable Console with your hosts, Attorney Sonia Madison and Dr. Mark Williams.